Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hashtag Queer AF is brought to you by UK Power Networks. They sponsor National Student Pride because they recognise that in order to sustain their business in the long term, it's essential to have diverse teams. Their LGBT plus employee networks provide their team with a platform to seek support and guidance. And through constructive challenge, they enhance their ability to be more inclusive. They also deliver mandatory inclusive leadership training to all managers. You can apply for a job with UK Power Networks on the pride.careers website now. Type pride.careers into your browser. Hey, you're listening to the Hashtag Queer AF podcast by National Student Pride with me, Jamie Worm. Usually me and a roll call of student and graduate reporters tell intersectional, sex-positive and binary-breaking stories. But this week is slightly different. We're handing straight over to a live recording from our annual event. On stage, the National Student Pride ambassador, Evan Davis, yeah, the one off Newsnight, interviewed the winner of Celebrity Big Brother and the drag queen extraordinaire. Courtney Act. They talked about gender identity, being in the house, and Evan started by questioning why it took National Student Pride to get him to interview such a huge gender identity advocate when he heads up the BBC's leading news show, Newsnight. Let's get stuck in. So please welcome them both to the stage right now. It's a special recording of Queer AF. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Oh, hi. Um, I love Student Pride, and they keep inviting me back. And it's one of my favorite days of the year. And you should be very proud of Student Pride. Uh, and I'm proud uh, to, be, to be invited here today. You know, I, I present Newsnight on BBC Two. We do a lot of politics. We do a lot of uh, economics and business and a lot of kind of world affairs. And every day on Newsnight, we are aware that we're in the midst of the most interesting uh, and potentially tumultuous period. It's a divide that is playing out in front of us. I would call it a war. Uh, it's kind of a generational gap. It's a Brexit divide in this country. And there's a kind of cultural divide. 
And you and student pride is at the heart of that. It's a conversation about people who want to change the world uh, in various ways. And more conservative people, often very much older, who are discombobulated uh, by the things that they see around them changing. And honestly, on Newsnight, all the time, we think we deal with this kind of cultural conflict. We feel we deal with it intelligently, and we reflect this in debates on our program. So it is pretty galling, as one who works on BBC Two, to find that Channel 5 managed to reflect <laughs> the conflict, the debate, the kind of the generation gap, the cultural gap that is uh, dominating the Western world at the moment. And they managed to do it in the most fantastically engaging way. And in the process discovered one of the best, most intelligent and articulated spokespeople for uh, LGBTQ plus <laughs> issues in Courtney Act. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Courtney, do you think they realized when they booked you and they booked Anne Widdicombe <laughs> that your conversations with Anne Widdicombe would be like the thing? Because it gripped not just, you know, the viewers, it was in the sun, it, was in, it really was a sort of national focus. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I've done a lot of political videos and videos about gender and about everything from foreskin to vaginas to race to going to a Donald Trump rally in drag and interviewing people. Um, so I guess they had some idea, and I don't know if I knew. I mean, I'm just glad that the women went in first and that I had an opportunity to Google Anne Whittacombe and read at least four or five articles from different news sources to cross-check my facts and, um, and find out about Anne's sort of history and what she stood for and, and sort of check out the other women in the house as well. But it was... I'd, I, I'm still taking it all in. Obviously, I didn't get to watch it. I was there experiencing it, and then all of these cameras that were around the room. I knew they were doing something, <laughs> and they were beaming it out to everybody, and we just had no idea, because every conversation I had with Anne Whittacombe, I felt a little bit defeated. Like, I, I thought, oh, that was a pointless conversation. That didn't go anywhere. But then what I, what I didn't realize is that everybody was watching at home and hearing two sides of a conversation yeah. that was done in, I think, like a fairly civilized yeah, way. Yeah, no, I think that was a really big part of it. But the thing was, it wasn't just about persuading Anne, and you made yeah. this clear yeah. in the house. It was also about speaking to people outside mm. who might be watching. I think you talked about the 14-year-old gay boy who hasn't told anybody his feelings, and making sure that that person yeah. doesn't feel that what Anne Whittacombe is saying goes unchallenged or left. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I, I, I imagine that everybody in this room is on a similar page when it comes to, you know, social values. Probably slightly different, but certainly a lot more similar than Anne Whittacombe and any of us. Um, and so it's good to get outside the echo chamber and talk to other people. And, yeah. and all of the people in the house really had diverse opinions. I thought that Anne was going to be, you know, the, the very right conservative person that she was. And I thought that everybody else would be like, on my side, uh, in a in a way, and I felt that there was it was a lot more moderate than I expected. Yeah. The house. Well, one of you, one of the more you know, so there was the you and Anne debate. Mm -hmm. One of the more interesting undercurrents was a sort of debate that goes on within LGBTQ plus world yeah. about how to engage with Anne Widdicombe. And Wayne Sleep, for example, a gay man, was was, was kind of representing sometimes the sort of don't make a fuss, yeah. because it's, it's, it's not going to help somehow. And I wonder what you thought of that, because 
Um, I, you know, I, I can see that both ways. I'm 55, and I sometimes oh, you know, it, it, don't make a fuss. You'll make it, it, it's going to upset people, and it's going to make them worse. And it's it's better just to be a bit quiet. But you were not at any point going to yield. No, and I mean, I think that's that's the thing. That's the way life works. Is that young people historically, not yeah. just our generation, but people of our age, and well, I guess I say our age. I'm clinging desperately to the title of millennial. Um, everybody else is trying to push it away. I'm like, no, I'm a millennial. I Googled it. I'm definitely a millennial, no, you guys. No, you're millennial. These are not millennials. These are Generation Z, I oh, think, is oh the God. name. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing is, is that young people have the energy and have the struggle and have yeah. the fight to be passionate about things. I think Wayne and Amanda and Anne, in their time, uh, fought and struggled for, for their own values. And... You know, like the women in the house said, back when they were younger women, they couldn't even rent an apartment as a single woman. And so they've seen the evolution of yeah. their struggle, and now they're like, well, you know what, things are pretty good for us. Yeah. And I think that's when it is time for the younger people to say, well, we still think we have a long way to go, and please respect that. And, um, and allow yeah. us to be vocal. I, I mean, I want to come back to this issue of it was quite politely conducted for the most part. And I was really struck after you left and Anne Widdicombe was getting a lot of abuse online. Mm. You said, stop it, don't be yeah. abusing Anne Widdicombe. I mean, a lot of us look at social media and just do think the whole kind of the discourse, the dialogue is, it's just, it's just got a little bit uncivil. Yeah. And I, I just wonder what your sort of take on that is. Well, it's one thing to drop the C-bomb in the heat of the moment when you're frustrated and ang angry and reacting. Um, obviously, people are still in the moment on Twitter, but you do have you know, a moment to step back and think about what you're saying. And I mean, I know, I see on social media these, these arguments, and in life, it's like politics, right? In parliament, there's people standing on the left, people standing on the right, and they're just yelling really loudly. And you can only get so much of the message when you're yelling. And I think when you walk towards the middle and have a conversation and sit down and talk and, and understand that whilst Anne Whittacombe's views, for example, um, you know, voted against every piece of pro-LGBT legislation in 20 years of parliament. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of intrinsically homophobic things in her and transphobic things in her views. And, and I am a person of privilege who arrived at this situation yeah. where I can sit there and be like, you know what, what you're saying is horrible, even if you don't think it's horrible, because she didn't. No, no, no she point, doesn't think of herself as homophobic. No. It's a sort of... I, I, I'm defending her here. She, yeah. she thinks of it as a set of abstract principles yes. that derive from religion and society yeah, and all yeah, those yeah. things. She doesn't, so she wouldn't want to be thought of as homophobic, but you're saying it is, in effect, homophobic, and it hurts. It and hurts people. Especially when you, if you apply the same arguments to race. Yeah. You, if, if Anne was saying the same things about race as she said about queer people, you would, you would no doubt say that she was racist. Yeah. But because we haven't evolved as far with the queer conversation as we have, say, with race, I think that it's very easy to sort of say, oh, it's okay, she's, she's older, she's from a different generation. And I think whilst that's true, it's still important for the conversation to be had and for younger people to say, all right, well, let us, yeah. uh, let, let, let let us, us bring our voice to Thanks for listening to Hashtag Queer AF. If you're listening for the first time, we just want to let you know the reason we make this show. 
It's all about keeping the conversation that is our National Student Pride event alive all year round. The event held in February every year is the biggest gathering of LGBT plus students in the country with a pride.careers job fair and agenda setting panels and performances, just like the one you're listening to right now, rolled into a whole weekend of events. It's platinum sponsored by EY and Gold by Clifford Chance. But here on this podcast, we carry those vibes all year round by telling stories about awesome LGBT plus young people all the time. So if that's totally your thing and you love stories about cool queer people, then why not get subscribed? We'd suggest that you go try episode one of season two, while we follow the fascinating life of a queer Muslim sex worker. It's a story that's got tragedy sewn throughout it, but also one with a strong and positive ending. It's fascinating. Hope to see you back soon. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Hashtag Queer AF. Let's get straight back to Evan and Courtney in conversation live from our event last week. But one of the other interesting things was that, let's be honest, a lot of people who don't follow these issues mm. closely because they just get go to work and get on with their lives find it quite confusing. Trans, non-binary, they just think, oh my God, you know, what's all of this kind of, this complicated stuff? Um, and I, I thought another interesting thing about your experience in the house was that actually you were quite good at explaining to people the different perspectives, particularly India, and yeah. how she might relate to you in a very ambivalent way, kind of a little bit sort of not that keen, but, you know, welcoming of alternative, alternative lifestyles. And I, um, I wonder how, I wonder how you sell gender fluidity to people who, who've never really had any reason to kind of think about it or engage with it. So you know, I'm not talking about people who would be resistant, like Anne Whittacombe, just the ordinary people, like the guys in the house that yeah. you had to explain it to and, uh, yeah. and, and, and make them feel comfortable with it. How, what's the way of doing that? Well, I think, you know, the guys in the house were so... At, almost out of everybody, they, they probably had the furthest to travel to get to the conversation with me, but they were the most willing and the most interested. And somebody like Andrew, who, you know, he described himself as a little bit camp, and rightly so. And, <laughs> and I just think that, like, even him doing drag was leaning into that, that grey area that so often 
you know, straight, I mean, straight men, I think, in particular, are often the people who are most rigid with their identity. Yeah. Um, and I think that the way that you do it is by having conversations about it and, and trying to find simple, like, you know, I identify as genderqueer and pansexual, and I had that conversation in the house and quickly realized that that message was about four steps too far forward. Yeah, you need to walk so before just, you can run, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm comfortable identifying as a gay drag queen, so I was like, let's just break it down, let's start with that, and then, and then yeah. sort of try and describe. And nobody was trying to be disrespectful, and that was the thing, I think, to remember. Well, a lot of them seemed to be trying to learn. Yeah. I mean, they were sort of, okay, yeah. take us through this. It was, it was it, yeah, that, that, I thought that was, a, that, that was really interesting. Fox Fisher, in an earlier session today, I don't know if you saw the non-binary session, I know you didn't, uh, didn't see it, was talking about how we're non-binary, we're not threatening anyone else's gender identity. We don't mean to take away your masculinity or your femininity. And I, I wonder whether that is quite important because if you manage to set it up in a way that makes people feel like they're being threatened, yeah. you're taking something away, you will meet a lot more resistance. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways the thing that they feel being taken away that they think, <coughs> excuse me, is their identity, it, it, there is a lot of of power being taken away from the people who are privileged, whether that be yeah. you know, white, cis, heterosexual men and, and women and people who haven't had to question their own identity. And I think this idea of gender fluidity, it, it, I mean, it was so fascinating in the house to see how the women really just didn't, for me, understand this idea that there were cultural norms and cultural expectations on men and women, and we just kind of live by them without questioning them. And I think, you know, John Barnes made a, a passing comment about, oh, you know, you be, you be careful with that, Andrew. You know what you're doing, but he doesn't. And I was like, well, what do you mean, John? And he said, well, you know, there's an implication for somebody like Andrew engaging in anything more than something platonic with yeah. somebody like you in a, in a public format. And I said, well, what I think would be more important is if Andrew did have feelings of any sort, that he act honestly on yeah. those feelings rather than pretend that those feelings don't exist just so that you can pacify a public audience. And I think that I think the real thing is, is that whatever you're feeling, and it doesn't have to be queerness, whatever it is, it is who you are. And whatever benefit you think you're getting from suppressing those feelings, the benefit that you'll get from liberating those feelings is far, far greater. And I think that's really the important that, thing for everyone. It's often the, 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 the coming out experience. I mean, it is, it, it is interesting you say that because something that is really interesting to me is to see when you do surveys, they've done this in the US, surveys of people this age, that you know, I mean, they just identify differently to yeah. people older. So 48% of American, in a survey of Generation Z, which is about sort of 15 to 20-year-olds, um, identify as exclusively heterosexual. That's 48%, basically half. Yeah. That means half are not identifying. Now, that's a big change even to the millennials who came ahead. And I, what, what, what should we expect? Should we expect that that tells us that people feel much more liberated today. They feel much more open to be themselves. Or should we say that's just a phase? They're like confused teenagers. They're discovering themselves. And probably by the time they're 30, they will have settled into something that is exclusively heterosexual, exclusively gay, or probably 
binary gendered in one form or another, one of, one of the two forms? Yeah, I think, I mean, young people are always prone to exploring the, yeah. the, the gray area a little bit more, I think. And uh, I, I think, I mean, the conversation with, say, bisexuality is when somebody who's bisexual gets a same-sex partner or an opposite-sex partner, people default them to being yeah, that sexuality. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of labels and there's a lot of, um, you know, how important are the labels? I think the labels are important for us to learn who we are. And, and then once we start living in that truth, like for me, the term genderqueer completely set me free from an entire life of feeling uh, not good enough as a man, not masculine enough, yeah. not valuable enough because of the ways we viewed masculinity. And when I realized that my femininity was valuable and important and could be celebrated, it, it laid to rest like this lifelong struggle with my gender. Um, now, I don't sort of wake up in the morning and think, oh, I'm gender fluid. I just, <laughs> I'm just me. <laughs> But I realize how that term liberated me, mm. and, and so I sort of talk about that. And, you know, the counter to that argument is, are, are, am I gender fluid? Are these women's clothes, or because I'm wearing them, are they boys' clothes that I'm wearing? Or do the clothes need a gender at all? So I don't necessarily have the answers or even understand it all myself, but I think that in a room like this, I think we're, we're all having these sorts of conversations. Everybody's feeling their way a little bit, yeah. and they'll, they'll, they'll gravitate towards something good, I'm sure. I want to ask you one about, because there's been a lot in the kind of the Me Too movement and the post-Weinstein mm. stuff, about the objectification of women mm. and using attractive women, basically, to sell. And I, I think a debate, I don't know how much this debate is going on, in gay male world, there is a lot of objectification, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, my Facebook timeline and on Twitter, I see endless gay magazines and things basically selling me to click by a topless torso, yeah. you know, yeah. and that, um, what's the right, what, what is, the, what should we think about objectification, you know, grid girls going out on Formula One and sort of hanging on the winners, mm. it's now been stopped because it's, a lot of women say that's just objectifying us and making us look like that's what women are meant to do. Mm. But I sort of feel in, 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 in gay male world, that kind of thing, probably goes on where you just have hunky guys standing around you know you know yeah. what what should we think about objectification i mean it's i think for the gay male world it's it, it has a slightly different approach because it is a level playing field and we haven't historically had men oppressing women yeah. well, uh, yeah, men exactly. oppressing men we've yeah. had men oppressing women so there is it is a slightly different conversation but i i mean and even with grid girls, Jess Impiazzi, who you know was in the house, is a glamour model, and she spoke really. Um, I really loved what she had to say about her choice to glamour model, to be a grid girl, to do all of these sorts of things. And um, it was, it's, it stopped me because I would have said like, oh yes, you're objectifying women, let's stop that. But then she also found it as a celebration for her of, yeah. of her and everybody knew what was going on and it's, it's a she tricky... She didn't feel exploited. She didn't feel exploited. No, exploited. No, and no. whether somebody from the outside could say, well, it doesn't matter whether you felt exploited, you were being exploited. And I guess at the end of the day, it's up to the individual to decide, you know, how they feel about yeah. a situation. Yeah. Um, gay men, I mean, quite often, I mean, I know I've been to some of those strip clubs in Montreal uh, where men are being exploited, but in gay 
in gay strip clubs, but fascinatingly, most of those men are heterosexual. Um, and they're, they're, they're sort of doing a job. So it's, it's just this whole yeah. sort of rich tapestry of confusion. And it comes into whether the economic power is, is, is such that they, they have to do the job because yes. they have no other yes. choice. Then it becomes an issue. Or whether maybe they do have choices yeah. and then it's less likely they're being. Look, very quickly, because we're running out of time, you were there reporting actually on the American election. Yeah. Probably you didn't see the Trump victory coming any more than that. But you engaged with Trump supporters. Yes. As Courtney Act, yes, not as Shane Jennings. No. As Courtney Act, yeah. just give us a, a, a bit about that. Um, I went to a Trump rally in Fairfield, Connecticut, in drag. I put on my best, like liberal Tommy Laren adjacent <laughs> drag, and I went and interviewed people. And I didn't want to go and get a whole bunch of sound bites of dumb people saying dumb things. Unfortunately. <laughs> That's all I got. I really wanted to go and understand. Like, I didn't think I'd agree with, but I wanted to understand why these people were here and what they were voting for. What I did get was a whole bunch of people uh, who felt, whether rightly or not, who felt disempowered and who were, it was, it was almost like the, the struggle of the other was now being adopted by the, 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 the majority. And, and used for their sort of own devices. And I don't, I think a lot of that comes from Donald Trump's messaging about manipulating people's fears. And it was really fascinating. But a lot of those people don't feel very powerful. They have their, their jobs, their, the good status jobs have gone. Yes. Their, their, the healthcare is not great. They've seen the kind of, the economy moved to the coasts and they feel, I think, a bit left out. I don't yeah. know whether one should feel sympathy, respect, or fight. I don't know what the kind of reaction is. It's back to the same conversation about Anne Whittacombe in a way, yeah. isn't it? And I mean, they, they, they were there because they were feeling powerless and they were struggling and that there was a man and whether what he said had any basis in reality or truth was irrelevant to them because they were, he was a leader. He was there giving them a message yeah. and they liked the message that he, he gave them. Just about over with the serious stuff. What's your next project? You've just come out of this thing. What's your next thing? I have. I first I want to sleep. Um, uh, I'm going to Australia tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, and I'm going to be there for a couple of weeks doing a tour, and then I'll be back in the UK in June doing a tour of my show Under the Covers, where okay. I'm going. To, I'm going to be exploring sort of what goes on under the covers of music, cover songs. Uh, of our minds and of our society and under the covers of our beds. Yeah. All mixed in. Look, very well done. You, you have become a spokesperson for people like this. And they obviously love you. Courtney's going to be back in a minute. She's going to be back in a minute for the uh, queer date session, which is going to be less political and more fun, I think. But can we please say thank you so much to Courtney. <laughs> That's it for this week's Hashtag Queer AF, but time for a quick roll call of credits. This week's show gives a massive thanks to the Student Pride Committee who put on this incredible event every year. They're all students, they all do it voluntary, and it's all pro bono when they're graduates. We'd also like to thank the Rendezvous production team for their hard work and our live stream team who year after year captured the event in such a great way. This week's show was sponsored by UK Power Network, whose sponsorship allows us to pay students to make and produce this show. And we love that. If you do too, and you just love what we're doing, don't forget to tell a friend to subscribe to the show as well. Or hey, give us a cheeky rating on iTunes. 
It does wonders and puts us in front of more eyes and ears, spreading that queer AF agenda all over the place. Because we're queer as fuck, and so are you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.